Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. As you can see, we are wearing masks. And just to clarify, the NFL has issued strict protocols for all players, team employees, for the rest of the season. So because we are NFL employees and we are working in an NFL facility, we're going to follow those <laughs> protocols. We will see how this goes, Wes, and perhaps come up with a more workable solution as uh, the stretch run continues here for the Packers. But that stretch run did not start off the way Green Bay wanted, a very difficult 34-31 to 31 overtime loss in Indianapolis. So much went right in the first half. Everything went wrong in the second half until about the last 85 seconds or so. And uh, the Packers walked away from Lucas Oil Stadium with a, uh, with a tough one to swallow. Yeah, it's funny, too, because I remember 2012. I didn't cover that game. Uh, I, was, I, I covered, did. He did. <laughs> I covered it from the comfort of my, my living room. And I saw that stat about – I forget who it was. I wish I could give the proper uh, attribution to the, the outlet that had it. But basically, Rodgers, when he's up by 14 at halftime, like it's some, some ridiculous record he has. It's like – 120 and four the yeah. Packers are in those games. And two of those losses were at Lucas Oil Stadium with this most recent one being on Sunday. I, I don't know what it is. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is, if it's Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck, uh, Jacoby Brissett, and now obviously Phillip Rivers. Those games are always tough. And it was tough again. Uh, I thought Green Bay, it was funny, someone mentioned in Insider Inbox, like, well, they got to start faster. They've started just fine. That first half, when according to a plan, they put up 28 points on the top-ranked defense in the National Football League. Yeah. And the problem was, though, they have six offensive plays in the third quarter. They don't really get their wheels turning again until late in the fourth. And when you go up against a team like, you know, the Colts and Frank Reich and what they can do offensively, and certainly they're so well familiar with Phillip Rivers, if you give them that much leeway, they're going to claw their way back, and they were able to do that on Sunday. I think the biggest takeaway from this game, when you try to just analyze NFL football in general, is when you hear coaches and players use the phrase complementary football, right. this is the type of game they're talking about. Because in the first half, complementary football was the Packers were capitalizing on Indies turnovers and scoring touchdowns. The Packers' defense was stopping the Colts after the Packers had right. turnovers. That's what complementary football is. In the second half, when the defense gives up a long drive, the offense can't go three and out. Yep. Um, when the opposing team has had a large comeback and gotten the score back to even, you can't fumble a kickoff. Like That's where complementary football goes awry. You have to have the different phases of your team working and supporting each other when things go well, when things go poorly. And the two halves, as Matt LaFleur said after the game, it was a tale of two halves. And the, the, really the definition of complementary football in the good way and in the bad way for the Packers on, on this long afternoon. And it's funny, too, because why did they succeed in the first half? Because of complementary football. Exactly. You know, that's they, that's they my got point. 14 points off of turnovers. The offense was really moving the ball well. I thought the game plan that Matt LaFleur and the coaches came up with was exceptional. They opened the game in a five-receiver set, an empty backfield set, and they get the ball downfield to Devontae Adams. They tried to find ways to find one-on-one -on -one opportunities, and it just seemed like even at the end of the first half, I mean, being able to get the ball back and then you know put some more points on the board, they made some big plays from a lot of guys across the board, but just at halftime, 
even you know they even did they stopped the Colts on that first possession, but then they go three and out, and then Indianapolis just starts running the ball. They're having more success in third down situations. They can't get off the field on fourth down, and and obviously they they work their way back into this. But the the big thing and the message that Aaron Rodgers sent after the game and that he has he has a lot of confidence in this team. He feels like they have what they need to get where they want to go, and I think. That, that might sound like a quarterback trying to prop his team up, but it really was. I mean, the energy was where they wanted it to be. That was a much more energetic team yeah. than the one that beat the Jacksonville Jaguars a week earlier. I totally agree. They had done a lot of the th- – but the problem is, is now you're playing a 6-3 and three team. Now you're yep. playing a team that really has some blood on its teeth here and wants to you know, carve out a division championship in a competitive conference, and you got to be able to play four quarters and you – can't turn over the ball four times. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's what Matt LaFleur emphasized on Monday was the Packers need to, when you play these good teams, you have to be able to play a four-quarter football game. They played a one-quarter football game in Tampa Bay and kind of got smacked after that. They played a really, really good two quarters in Indianapolis, but that's not enough. And even with Aaron Rodgers almost pulling out you know, the miracle at the end, I'll be honest with you, after that second pass to Devontae Adams got the Packers into the red zone to the 15-yard line yeah. with about 40 seconds on the clock, I thought Rodgers was going to pull the thing out. I thought he was going to get the ball in the end zone with maybe 10 or 15 seconds left, and, and the Packers were going to walk out with a yeah. victory, no no overtime necessary. Unfortunately, um, they did have to settle for the field goal. The game went to overtime. As everybody knows, Marquez Valdez-Scantling fumbled the ball on the second play of overtime, erasing what was a tremendous play from, with Aaron Rodgers launching the pass out of his end zone on third and 10, and Valdez Scanlon coming down with it at midfield amidst three defenders, gave the Packers the chance to get the game to overtime. Um, just, uh, uh, you know, it's one of those things you, you walk away, you walk away just, just scratching your head. And as I think you've pointed out in our insider inbox column, the human element of this game, you can't get away from yeah. it. Great things can happen. And crappy things can happen and that's just the way this game goes sometimes yeah and it does and it it's it's Corey Lindsley and Aaron Rodgers who have been together for seven years now <laughs> having a, a, a bumbled you know fumbled exchange right uh Lindsley then leaves with a back injury you don't know how much that was affecting him early on in that game uh Darius Shepard who's in for Tyler Irvin who had the rib injury against the Jaguars he has a fumble on a kickoff return and certainly Marquez Valdez-Scantling which has been a big topic of conversation this week he had so many plays in that game, Mike, that is the reason why the Packers were able to get into overtime, whether it was blocking, whether it was drawing the DPI for 51 yards against Rocky Yassine. And then, you know, the 47-yard catch you just touched on. And then there's the fumble. It's the miss blocking, you know, there with, you know, Robert Tanyan and Alan Lazard in front of them. They've been so good all year long on right. those screens being able to give the receiver an opportunity to get upfield. This is one play where Blackman makes a really solid kind of knifes through and puts the pressure on Valdez Scantling there and the ball comes out. It's just those type of moments that when you're in a close game, ultimately decide it. But it isn't one specific player. That's the one message that Matt LaFleur sent. And it's the one message, frankly, I've been sending with some of our content is that, you know, you we always look at how things end. Yeah. But if you flip things, if the fumbled exchange is at the end, the narrative changes. If the kickoff return is at the end, the narrative changes. If the 47-yard pass on third and one that ultimately forces overtime is at the end of the game and you win it, it changes the narrative. But it's just the drama. It's what makes this game so great. It's why you know, people tune in because that game, Mike, on Sunday is a game you and I have never seen before. Yeah. In, 
everything that's ever been played, the amount of games that we've covered. I've never covered a game like that before against the Colts. And unfortunately, there's a winner and a loser, and there's heroes and there's scapegoats. And it's just the way people process things. It's the way they compartmentalize it. And it's the reason, and ultimately, the way that stories and whatnot is written up for the following week. Yeah, well, quickly here, Wes, before I forget, Sirius XM NFL Radio Channel 88 is the only radio outlet dedicated to the National Football League seven days a week, 365 days a year. And Packers fans, be sure to gear up for game day. Open a Packers checking account from Associated Bank and score a $50 Packer Pro Shop gift card. Learn more at AssociatedBank.com backslash Packers. All right. From the post-game comments, Wes, I, and, and I wrote my, my post-game editorial about this, hearing from Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. Now, as you said, they weren't just trying to, to, to pump their team up. I really believe that Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur were being honest when they said how much better they felt about the team. Everything through the week, the preparation, the energy and practice, it carries over to the game, and certainly the way the first half went. Now, things went sideways. There's no two ways about that. And the Packers have to figure out a way in these big games against good teams, whether it's the 49ers in 2019, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Indianapolis Colts in 2020. When things start to go sideways, you've got to figure out how to how to get things back on track a little more quickly than they have. They never did against Tampa Bay. Right. They obviously got something right at the end of the fourth quarter in Indy, but you have to be you have to be able to turn it sooner. But in the bigger picture, they feel better about this team than they did a week ago coming right. off of the Jacksonville victory. And, and we know winning is the bottom line. What you are, what your record says you are, that's what it is. But the Packers have six more games here in the regular season. They're obviously fighting for an NFC North title, fighting for the best playoff spot they can get in the NFC. And the outcome was not what they wanted, but I firmly believe, and I wrote about this, the Packers are, were a better team coming out of Lucas Oil Stadium than they were when they went home from Lambeau Field yes. the, after the victory over the Jaguars. Yep. They're a better team a week later. I really believe that. Because here's the thing about wins and losses, right? If you win, everybody talks about how great things went, even if some things go wrong. Ultimately, the biggest story is where they succeeded. Marquez Valdez-Scantling having a career high, 149 yards in right. that game. The first receiver in Packers history since 1970. And I think it was, was it Boyd, or Carol Dale to have over 130 yards or whatever it was on less than four, four or less fewer catches. That, that just becomes the narrative. A game like this where it's a highly competitive affair against a team that is very well going to end up finding itself in the playoffs and maybe even in title contention, that, but you lost. So there's a negativity that's involved with that too. And that's fine. That's football. But where Matt LaFleur, if you listen to what he says and what Aaron Rodgers says, there's another game seven days from now yep. against the Chicago Bears team that has lost four of its last five. Following that, you're also at home against a Philadelphia Eagles team that, while leading the NFC East right now, has three wins on the season. There's the Detroit Lions coming down the line. They're having their struggles. You know, Carolina Panthers just shut out the Lions, but they've been in a bad spot for a lot of this season without Christian McCaffrey. I think you look at Tennessee, that's going to be a dogfight. You close the season against the Bears. This thing still lines up well for Green Bay. And the reason I wrote an insider inbox this week that Matt LaFleur stays even keeled, the reason why Aaron Rodgers stays even keeled, the reason why they point to the locker room is because that's how you avoid losing back-to-back -back games. That's how you avoid being able to let that negativity sort of permeate through your mindset and end up affecting you in the next game. 
the Packers have to play well for the same reason why they were able to play well against the San Francisco 49ers. They have to be able to find that response, and this is going to be a big week for them. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. As much as this is a bottom-line business, when you're the head coach, when you're the quarterback, the leadership on this team, as you move forward with so many games left to go and so much left to be decided, you can't get hung up on letting a game get away. Right. And, yes, the Packers let a game get away that they should have had. They should have been leaving Indianapolis with a big win and something to really hang their hat on. It didn't happen. But if you get hung up on the final result, you lose sight of the fact that the Packers were taking it to the number one defense in the NFL and, and having their way with them throughout the first half. Yeah. Now, at the end of the day, the complimentary football did not work out in the second half in order to close out the victory. But there were a lot of things the Packers did well in this game. The defense getting two turnovers in the first half. We haven't seen that in a while. The offense capitalizing on those. We're seeing... Now, granted, Corey Lindsley is now out with an injury. We will see what happens there. But Alan Lazard got back into the mix, so the Packers are hoping here for the stretch run. You're going to have Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez-Scanling as your top three wide receivers moving forward. You want to see, obviously, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, maybe get Tyler Irvin back here, hopefully at some point down the stretch. There's a long, there's a long way left to go here, and the bottom line is, this game coming up on Sunday, Sunday night football at Lambeau Field, Packers against the Bears, and we'll talk about this in our next show later this week as well. The swing here in this game is monumental yeah. because the Packers will either beat the Bears and go up by three games in the NFC North with five to play, which puts you in the catbird seat, no yep. question about it, or the Bears will win and cut the deficit to one game with five games to play and the Bears knowing that they get the Packers at Soldier Field in Week 17. You have to move on from this Indianapolis Colts game because this game against the Chicago Bears on Sunday night, and I would argue it would still be almost just as big even if the Packers had sure. beaten Indianapolis. Yeah. Because yeah. of the division opponent, it's the one you are fighting, fighting with, and the Bears – for all of their struggles, going from 5-1 five and one to now 5-5 five and five with a four-game losing streak, they're coming off their bye. This is their chance to reset and come out rested and ready to go against the team that they're chasing. And do you know what the percentage chances are the Packers will even see the Colts again this season? <laughs> that both of these teams would find themselves both in the Super Bowl? Right. It's pretty minute. You can't worry about what went wrong against the Colts. Now you have to learn about, okay, run defense, second half, what was the issue there? Why were they able to move the ball the way they did? Why defensively were we not able to get home? Why offensively did we end up going three and out? You have to do all that kind of yeah. self-assessment. Figure out the issues on special teams, too. because te Packers are losing the field position battle, even without the turnover. Yes. Packers are losing the field position battle these last couple weeks, and they've got to get that straightened out. And that's something that during the first month of the season, they were doing really well. Exactly. You have exactly. to get back to that. Yeah. But the reality is, is that the teams that they're facing here are the ones that ultimately impact how far they're going to be able to go how this, this whole format is going to play out with the postseason. And the thing for Green Bay is that if you beat, thanks to Mike McCarthy and, and the, you know, the Dallas Cowboys against Minnesota, if you take care of business now against Chicago, hand them their fifth loss in six games, you are suddenly in a commanding lead at eight wins heading into the month of December in this division. You get to ten wins, then you start looking at the seeding. That, that's the only thing you can do right now. Yep. And, and for, you know, for everything else that's gone wrong, for as crazy as this season has been, and, and everybody in the NFC, and we're going to talk about it here in a minute, but 
all these different scenarios that have played out and teams that it's been like, okay, they're grabbing the reins on this thing. The Green Bay Packers have a tough opponent coming up at the end of the season against Tennessee, and they get them at home after a game at home against Carolina. So, like, in terms of the second half of the season, it's lined up really well for them. We talked about this in May when or June when the schedule came out. This final stretch is going to be important. And if you're able to execute, if you win at home, if you take care of what you need to take care of, you're not really too concerned about the intra-conference games against, you know, the, the Colts and, and even Houston to some extent that are played on the road. No, it's about the NFC matchups. It's about winning at home. And if you do that, you're still in the thick of this thing in this race. Yeah, absolutely. Well, elsewhere around the NFC, we'll touch on a few games briefly here before we sign off. The New Orleans Saints, they kept uh, their winning streak alive despite the absence of Drew Brees. Taysom Hill steps in as the starting quarterback. He holds down the fort, and that New Orleans Saints defense, Wes, is playing yeah. as well as any defense in all of football right now, quite frankly. Um, the Saints have put themselves in position now at 8-2. and two. They know... They know they've got a backup quarterback that can uh, that can win football games, and they will wait to see when they can get Drew Brees back and, and keep that defense playing at a high level. I wanted to tweet this, and I never did, because it just incites rage from Packers fans. Sure. but Because you have to take the emotion out of it. You also have to understand that if Taysom Hill was still under control of the Packers, he wouldn't even be a Packer anymore. He would have been traded by now, if yeah. you look at the, num- the cap number he's pulling these days. But there's no better story in, in football than Taysom Hill. Everybody's made this about oh, is he going to be a great quarterback or is he just going to be a bust? Is, is Sean Payton a genius or is he just a maniacal you know, guy that just wants to just you know, throw chaos into the system with Hill, but he's really not that good of a player? No. Taysom Hill finished every season at BYU injured. Every year. Yep. From beginning to end. His career was marred by injuries, and it also so happened that he went on a mission. He ends up going into the NFL at 27 years old. Yeah, but the health, the health issues is why the guy wasn't drafted. Everybody knew the talent was there. Nobody wanted to make the investment in him because of his health history. And is he Bottom a running line. quarterback? Can he actually throw? No, none of that. This guy has resurrected his career, and he's managed to stay healthy in the yep. NFL. Taysom Hill, when he came into Green Bay, if he ends up being a Hall of Fame player, I will end up telling the story. I was the first person to interview him. We always do those undrafted stories. I sat down with him in the Packers cafeteria. Man, does that seem like 50 years ago right now. <laughs> but I, I sat down with him and I talked about his story and, and just how chaotic it had been. And basically him and his wife and the faith that they had that eventually things would just go the right way for him. Right. People want to make this out to be a bigger thing because it makes for a really good conversation on you know, an afternoon talk show. But the reality is this is just a really good story. And he proved against the Atlanta Falcons, who are struggling this season, that he can be a guy that can lead an NFL football team. Me personally, if you could take the emotion out of it, I I just think it's a fantastic tale. Yeah. A couple other things I want to touch on. An interesting Monday night result with the Los Angeles Rams flying cross-country to play at Tampa Bay on Monday night football, and they knock off Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. So the Rams trying to keep pace now in the NFC West. They are at 7-3. and three. The Buccaneers fall to 7-4. and four. They're now two games back in the loss column to the Saints as far as that NFC South goes. And I do want to mention also what you brought up, that the Dallas Cowboys went into U.S. Bank Stadium. How ironic is it that Mike McCarthy gets his first win at U.S. Bank Stadium as the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys is that great? after losing three times, 2016, 17, and 18, 
as uh, as the head coach of the Packers when uh, when Green Bay could not get a win in that new building for those first few years. And I don't know if Mike had a guy that was running sledgehammers for him or if they just worked it with the equipment guys to stash that in some stuff. This, yeah, this, this sledgehammer, Gallagher, uh, you know, watermelon smashing thing at the team meeting at the hotel on yeah. even he even commented that the hotel was concerned about getting everything cleaned up <laughs> afterwards and and apparently that went okay so how hilarious is that though isn't like he had to go to fleet farm to go grab this thing he had to bring it all the way to minnesota and he still did it hey and it worked out for the packers yeah, all right well with that the vikings and the lions both lose they're both four and six and as we said the bears are five and five coming to lambeau field on sunday night with that we'll call it a wrap on this edition of packers unscripted be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.